This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I started this podcast four years ago or a little more than that because I wanted to reach those of you who are already really interested in psychological and emotional issues, but you'd just be interested in what another psychologist had to say to those of you who have just been diagnosed with some kind of mental illness or disorder or a problem and you're looking for answers. You may even be kind of dead desperate for answers. But to a third group of you who might say, you know, I'd never darken the door of a therapist, but you're just curious enough or you're suffering enough to listen to self-work. Thanks for being here. It's Women's History Month, and I'm so excited to announce that Self-Work has a new sponsor, Premium Jane. That kind of fits, doesn't it? I'll have much more to say later, but Premium Jane is a company offering CBD products ranging from oils to topicals to capsules, all made in the U.S., and there's a special Self-Work discounted offer. Today, we're going to be talking about women who've been important crusaders for mental health awareness, and some of these may surprise you, both celebrities and historically important female voices, what those women of all ages and ethnicities have said about their own struggles. It brings reality to what so many women, and of course, men face. We'll also focus on how women are more vulnerable to certain mental illnesses, and of course, what positive mental and emotional traits do women have that are more unique to them. I love a study I found that said men and women are actually more alike than they are dissimilar in many traits, but we'll talk more about that later. The listener email for today is from a woman in her early 30s who feels very enmeshed with her parents, who've built a reality for her that the world is a scary place and haven't supported her to live independently from them. It's a complex issue, for sure. So sit back and relax. We're going to celebrate women today. We're celebrating women and their bravery and courage in facing their own struggles with mental illness in this week's Self-Work. So, of course, I found several articles featuring the words first of celebrities who face their own mental and emotional issues and want you to know you are far from alone. And, of course, I have lots of links for this article and they'll all be in the show notes. So let's hear from them. You know, bearing your private struggles in a public space is not easy, but certainly with celebrities and sports figures coming forward, it certainly raises mental illness awareness. And also, you can realize you can be quite functional and really quite competent at whatever you do and still deal with mental problems. And all of these women want you to know you're not alone. First, there's Kristen Bell. She's a very funny leading lady, but she's battled huge depression and anxiety. She writes, There is such an extreme stigma about mental health issues, and I can't make heads or tails of why it exists. Anxiety and depression are impervious to accolades or achievements. Anyone can be affected, despite their level of success or their place in the food chain. So why aren't we talking about it? Hayden Panettiere was one of the first leading figures 
about postpartum depression. Ten months after giving birth to her daughter, she came out publicly to seek inpatient treatment for her illness. So she went to what's called residential. She said, I was always so terrified that people weren't going to accept me. I finally just went, I'm tired of living afraid. I'm tired of living in fear of what people are going to think. So, you know, I'm just going to put it all out there on the table, and I'm not going to worry about the judgment. I love this comment. And I know I've said before here on self-work that a lot of the times when people do need to go into residential treatment, one of the gifts of that is they find people there who they really like. They're just depressed or suicidal or whatever. Catherine Zeta-Jones, who's been a fiery actress and won an Oscar for Chicago, but has been diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder for quite a while, and she has sought inpatient treatment two or three times. She says, finding out that it was called something was the best thing that ever happened to me. The fact that there was a name for my emotions and that a professional could talk me through my symptoms was very liberating. There are amazing highs and lows when you've got bipolar too. My goal is to be consistently in the middle. I'm in a very good place right now. Some of you probably heard the conversation I had with Terry Cheney about this. If not, go back and listen to it. She speaks eloquently about having bipolar disorder. Simone Biles, who of course is the Olympic gymnast, has been diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And some hacker released her medical records. So she tweeted, having ADHD and taking medicine for it is nothing to be ashamed of and nothing that I'm afraid to let people know. Another woman, Demi Lovato, who's now a world famous pop singer, she struggled with mental illness from early childhood. At seven, she had suicidal thoughts. And as a teen experienced eating disorders, she harmed herself and she was abusing drugs. She also has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and she says, if you are struggling today with a mental health condition, you may not be able to see it as clearly right away, but please don't give up. Things can get better. You are worthy of more, and there are people who can help. In fact, asking for help is a sign of strength. Carrie Fisher, who is long well known as Princess Leia, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 24, and she for years has been an advocate for mental illness treatment. She says, we have been given a challenging illness, and there is no other option than to meet those challenges. Think of it as an opportunity to be heroic, and using her quite ironic sense of humor, she goes, not I survived living in Mosul during an attack heroic, but an emotional survival an opportunity to be a good example to others who might share our disorder. Zendeha says, I used to struggle with anxiety pretty bad. It only happened when I sang live, not when I danced or did any other live performances. It stemmed from a bad experience I had while singing on the Ellen DeGeneres show. It wasn't my best performance. I've never let myself live that down. Does that sound familiar to any of you? That's when shame started, it sounds like to me. Gloria Steinem, a huge feminist leader, says, I myself cried when I got angry, then became unable to explain why I was angry in the first place. Anger is supposed to be unfeminine, so we suppress it. This was my first hint of the truism that depression is anger turned inward. Thus, women are twice as likely to be depressed. Aparno Nancherla, if I crucified her name, I'm sorry. She says, I would say depression is one of those things that sublets space in your head 
So no matter how far you get away from it, it exists as a somewhat permanent house guest. I love that. Carrie Washington. I say I go to therapy publicly because I think it's really important to take the stigma away from mental health. My brain and my heart are important to me. I don't know why I wouldn't seek help to have those things be as healthy as my teeth and I go to a dentist. So why wouldn't I go to a shrink? (laughs) I love it when people call me a shrink. I think that's hilarious. And I have to add Oprah to this list as she talks honestly about her struggles with selective mutism, sexual abuse, and obesity. She says, anybody who's been verbally abused or physically abused will spend a great deal of their life rebuilding their esteem. But celebrities aren't the only women we should be proud of for talking about their experiences. Before we go on, let's take a second to hear an offer from Premium Jane. I'm delighted to announce Premium Jane, maker of multiple CBD products, is a new sponsor of SelfWork. CBD stands for cannabidiol, an ingredient in marijuana, but pure CBD is very different. The Harvard Health Review says CBD itself does not cause a high, and the World Health Organization says in humans, CBD exhibits no effects indicative of any abuse or dependence potential. In fact, CBD is a natural part of the hemp plant. Premium Jane uses completely organic, Kentucky-grown industrial hemp and utilizes what's called a supercritical CO2 extraction method. It's actually the same methods that's used when you make decaffeinated coffee. So what you end with is a product that can help with stress, your sleep cycle, exercise-induced inflammation, and research is still ongoing as to its various usages. Always check with your medical provider first before adding it into your daily regime. I've been using Premium Jane CBD oil for about a month. All I do is put it under my tongue and hold it for a few seconds, and I feel like I definitely go to sleep more quickly. To find Premium Jane's full range of CBD products, visit them at premiumjane.com, and be sure to use coupon code SELFWORK to get 20% off your purchase. That's again premiumjane.com, and use the coupon code SELFWORK to get 20% off. The next women we want to celebrate are women who worked their entire lives to change the way the world looked at mental illness. These stories are phenomenal. Nellie Bly, who was born Elizabeth Jane Cochran, was an investigative journalist. After hearing of the horrible conditions for patients at a New York State asylum, she posed as insane in order to get herself admitted. She wrote about her experiences in an expose for New York World, which was a catalyst for lasting and widespread mental health reform. Anna Freud was Sigmund Freud's daughter. She was a brilliant psychologist and a pioneer in the field of child psychoanalysis. Lisa Steddard Hollingworth was one of the early advocates of the field of psychology. She was New York City's first civil service psychologist and ran a lab researching women's psychology, intelligence, and gifted children. When she was alive, the variability hypothesis was in vogue, which said that men occupied both the highest and the lowest ends of the bell curve on both physical and psychological traits, and that we women were locked into mediocrity. Women were basically viewed as quasi-invalids during their menstrual cycles, and she challenged this belief and demonstrated that the average woman has an equal mental capacity to the average man each and every day of the month. When I entered graduate school, for example, there was some research coming out 
because women were coming into the profession in droves and they said, oh, the profession will no longer be respected. People won't get paid as much. People will become distrustful. It was awful. I was so angry. Kay Redfield Jamison wrote the book, An Unquiet Mind. She was a researcher and a psychologist. And her book was groundbreaking in allowing people to see into what bipolar disorder really was. Of course, there was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was the first person really ever to study grief. Her groundbreaking book on death and dying is something we should all read, although there has certainly been research since hers that indicates there are other factors, but she was incredible. But when I looked at the research talking about current women's health issues, all those are historically important. So why is it that depression is more reported in women? Certainly they seek therapy far more often, although this shouldn't be overinterpreted. Women are twice as likely to experience anxiety disorders as men, especially obsessive compulsive disorder and phobias. Two-thirds of people with dementia are women, which actually begins decades earlier in women's brains as a transition into menopause. We have more eating disorders. That's not a hard one to figure out because of the pressure we feel about being thin. We also are more affected by PTSD than men, largely because women are exposed to more sexual violence. So let's go back and look at some of these social factors that affect women's mental health, which we cannot underestimate. More women than men are the main caregivers for their children, and they may care for other dependent relatives as well. This intensive caring kind of philosophy can affect emotional health, physical health, social activities, and finances. They do for others. Not that men don't, but more women do. More women often juggle multiple roles. They're overrepresented in low-income, low-status jobs, often part-time, and are more likely to live in poverty than men. And in fact, the pandemic has brought another one. Of the jobs lost that was reported in December, women lost a total of 156,000 jobs, while men gained 16,000 jobs. Of the net 9.8 million jobs lost since February, women have accounted for 55% of them. So more of them are going to be dealing with poverty. And of course, the physical and sexual abuse of girls and women can have a long-term impact on their mental health, especially if they don't get support. Going back to the unemployment data a little bit, when broken down by race, Latina and black women experienced unemployment levels that were higher than women's overall unemployment. And I won't go into too much of the statistics, but the minorities suffer more. So obviously, women recovering from this pandemic may be much harder and gaining their strength in the workforce again. This is so important because many women are in relationships where there's violence and Having financial means is a way out. It's also just important because often dual career families just have more money and they do better. Their children do better. Everybody does better. Of course, another factor in women's mental health is menopause. It's very real that it affects us. Actually, the newest research is finding that this isn't all emotional. There are actual neurological changes that happen in menopause. For example, in the hypothalamus, which is in charge of temperature, guess what? We have hot flashes because our hypothalamus is being affected. The changes in hormones affect different parts of the brain. It's fascinating research, and I'm so glad it's finally being done. But now, before we run out of time, let's talk about the positives 
of being a woman. First off, both genders have their own strengths. And it's interesting to find out, as I quoted in the intro, that a lot of us, both men and women, share similar traits. We share many more traits than was actually thought years ago. But a lot of the business journals I looked up talked about the 10 strengths of women as entrepreneurs, and I think it's true in your private life as well. Women multitask very well. We focus on emotional intelligence. We are praised for being emotionally accurate or emotionally in tune. We're good at communication and understanding. Again, as a gender, we're fairly adaptable. We persevere. All that caregiving makes a difference. We do the hard stuff. We tend to be humble often, and we're good at relationship building as we very creatively think outside of the box to do that. But I want to talk a little bit about that study that shows so many traits shared by women and men. And then it shared that there were four small yet meaningful differences discovered in women that were a little higher than men. The study conducted by researchers in Switzerland examined well over 1 million people. So this is a huge study. And they had taken something called the VIA survey, which I don't know what that is. The VIA survey of strengths across 65 published samples or groups of people spanning four countries and multiple age groups. So children, adolescents, and adults. And the results were really interesting. They had identified 24 character strengths. And again, these were consistent and remarkable in their similarity between men and women. I really like that. But let's mention the four strengths that were higher for women. These strengths are appreciation of beauty and excellence. I really liked that one. Maybe you just take more time to notice. Maybe it's that multitasking. I'm not sure. But that was an interesting finding. Kindness is another strength for women. You do favors and good deeds to help support or take care of others. Again, being the caregiver can be tough, but it also teaches you that giving to others can really feed your own soul. We love well. We value close relationships with people, and we tend to be grateful. And we take the time to express that gratitude in some way. So if you're a woman... If you consider yourself to be a woman, however you feel about it, I want you to celebrate this month. Take some time to look up some history about the strong, powerful women who've sacrificed so much for our place in the world now and who are still doing that work all over the world. And thanks to the men who support women in this journey. It's all of our places, and we can celebrate one another. The listener email for today is from someone who doesn't know what to do because she's figuring out that her parents actually told her the world was a very dangerous place, and it seems like it was about their own agenda. Hi, Dr. Margaret. I love your podcast and I love your voice. You have a really nice voice. I have enmeshed parents and I'm basically 32 years old and I've never had a real job. I'm a student, but I've never really had a real job and never really been out on my own. And that kind of terrifies me. But as I look back on my past, I realized that my parents 
have basically made me feel like the world is like a scary place and that I couldn't make it on my own. They've been grooming me like that for years. And now I'm 32. Um, I basically take care of them, not financially, but emotionally. Um, they don't really have a lot of friends. And so I don't really have a lot of friends either. And for some reason, it just doesn't feel right. I feel like I haven't started my life and it's starting to feel really lonely. And I'm starting to feel like I have a lot of regrets about not um, doing a lot of things when I was younger and pretty much just missing out on all of my 20s. I can't really find anything on this topic on the internet. And I was wondering if you could um, help me lay out some things that will help me to gain independence and get away from my narcissistic and codependent parents. Thank you. I wanted you to hear the pathos of this young woman's struggle. But since this episode was running just a little bit long, and I think this is a really fantastic topic for discussion. In fact, probably when I get referral questions on my website, this is one of the things that people want to know about, is enmeshment with parents and children. So I'm going to devote the entire next podcast to answering her question. So please tune in next week to learn how to break the bonds of enmeshment and codependency, or at least to begin to do so. Thank you for being here today on self-work. I so enjoy hearing from all of you at Ask Dr. Margaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. And I so appreciate the reviews you've left on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. One says, I've been listening to this podcast for several weeks now, and it's been such a comfort to me. I feel like the topics are so relevant, and Dr. Margaret is amazing. Well, thank you. She has a comforting voice and a way about her that calms me down when I'm feeling anxious or alone. You know, several people say that to me, and that's I so appreciate that, that just talking with you is helping you. I, I love that. I did have a funny experience one time. I was in a conference, a local conference, and someone turned around and said, are you Margaret Rutherford? And I said, yes. And she said, oh, I recognize your voice. And I thought maybe you put that voice on, but it's really your voice. <laughs> I said, yes, it is. It is. <laughs> but here's another review. I definitely have perfectly good depression. Thank you. Thank you for this podcast. You are valuable and needed. And thank you for sharing the as if method. This was in the last podcast. How have I been in therapy for 25 years and no therapist ever mentioned this technique? Well, everybody has their own way of doing things, but I'm glad it was helpful. She put her name. Thanks, Jess. I appreciate it. Of course, my book, Perfectly Hidden Depression, is on sale at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or your local bookstore could probably use your business. I have a passion about the topic and I'm excited to tell you that I'm getting more and more requests. I think as we begin to shake off some of these devastating effects of the pandemic, then people are getting interested in having speakers and that kind of thing again. And I'm delighted that that's happening. If you want to know more about that, I always post it on my Facebook page or I put it in the newsletter and you have to subscribe to the website to get the newsletter. That's drmargaretrutherford.com. My Facebook page is simply, you know, facebook.com slash drmargaretrutherford. But I'd love to let you in on what's going on and what I'm talking about on different podcasts, etc. But Perfectly Hidden Depression is for anyone 
who, whether you think you're a perfectionist or not, you know you like a lot of control and you struggle to be able to connect with or even express or reveal more painful emotions, then this is the book for you. It's available in audiobook, ebook, or regular paperback. I also have a Facebook group if you'd like to join that. We're up to, I think, 2,700 members. That's facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. So thank you all for being here. Please, please take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self-Work.